Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. I'm Kelly. If you've been tuning in, you know what's up. You know what we're up to. You know the oh. the, the 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 deal, the game. Oh. Yeah. Do you not know Kelly? No, I know the deal. I know the game. Okay. Well, last week Kelly talked all about her favorite things. Yippee! This week she's gonna shut up. Oh. Because I'm gonna talk about my favorite things. Yippee! Uh, so. I feel like I'm going to follow a similar structure to Kelly. This is mostly just a linear storytelling time, essentially, of my life um, in terms of video games. You know, I, video games have been around my whole life in a lot of ways. I kind of can't remember life without them. So just like they're just they're just special to so many parts of my growing up, parts of my life and parts of, you know, I, I we do this show every week. I'm sure Kelly agrees video games are not just like a hobby. They're a part of me, you know, mm-hmm. to talk about them for like a chunk of time every week in a public space. And that's certainly not the only time I'm talking or thinking about them. It They mean a lot to me. And like there's been a lot of ebbs and flows of like the kind of games I play, how much I'm playing games. You know, there have been the the no gaming phases of my life where just, you know, for one reason or another, I wasn't playing games, but. You know, growing up, when I was very little, my brother, who's much sportier than I am, he played some games. Um, I do not remember getting our first video game console. As far as I can remember, we already had one. I think we had a PlayStation 2 before my memory was fully uh, fully established, which scares me. Because in my brain, PlayStation 2 is like, it didn't come out that early, but like, I don't remember getting it. So therefore it came out a long time ago. <laughs> um but I remember I th- the biggest game from my like early elementary maybe kindergarten, I couldn't pinpoint the times. The biggest game from that time period was Ratchet and Clank 2. Uh we had a neighbor, me and my brother had this neighbor. His name was also Nick because my brother's name is Nick and and he brought up a copy of Ratchet and Clank Going Commando, which was not an obscene title at the time because I was a wee lad. Um, and I believe he just left it with us. So I played that game like nobody's business. I played that game <laughs> so much. Um, and that's, you know, that game was not just formative to me, but kind of stuck with me. I'm not going to talk about it later in the episode because the later games aren't quite as important. But the simple fact is like, I played Ratchet and Clank 2. Eventually, I was able to play 3. I went back and played the first game, which was jarring for me because, like, Ratchet and Clank 2 is a huge leap forward from 1. So going back to 1 is, like, trippy as a child because you're, like, you know, you have this super clear idea of what a game is and then you go back and it's different because the first game had so many different mechanics and didn't find its identity yet. So it's just jarring. And, you know, it goes all the way to, like, last a couple years ago when I was playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart on PS5, this series, that series has grown with me in so many ways, which is awesome to think about. Um, but there are also a lot of games I played when I was growing up that meant something to me that uh, sadly did not grow with me. I had Crash Bandicoot 3, and I know I say that uh, a silly way. I don't think it bothers Kelly so much, but I know it bothers friend of the show Cameron a lot. Bandicoot? Bandicoot. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. I think okay. it's I think it's fun. 
I think it's and because if friend I, of the show Cameron is bothered by it, then he can go suck an egg. It, well, he's gonna send a message to us. We're gonna hear about this when he hears it. Um, <laughs> but I can't help it because I was like five when I was saying Crash Bandicoot, <laughs> and I also remember that that game had a pause menu and it had resume, and I thought it was resume for so many years. <laughs> And well, I don't know why, but I remember that specifically about Crash Bandicoot 3. Well, you weren't totally wrong. I mean, like, there's there's just – the word is spelled the same. There's just an accent. Yeah. Or... It's proved that – it proves to me now that English is a bad language because <laughs> I couldn't have figured that out. Because I was saying the correct word, just I didn't recognize that it's not the correct context. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Sly Cooper 2. And don't ask why I have all of these, like, not the first games. I was a child. I don't remember how I came into possession of these games. Um, Maybe from a neighbor. Maybe my parents just saw it. I don't know. I had Spyro 2. That was my favorite in that series. Um, And I remember, like, I knew people who had the third game. And, like, the third game is a pretty big leap. And I, like, was amazed by it. It was, like, this this crazy idea, like, the third game. And I only played it at, like, other people's houses. I never had it. So it's just this elusive product. And now, like, looking back, I'm like, oh, it's not that different. But at the time, it was just like, oh, my God, they have Spyro 3. And I also knew somebody who had Spyro 1. And I was like, wow, this game stinks. <laughs> if you're a toddler, Spyro 2 is pretty straightforward. Spyro 1 is just completely esoteric in some ways that a little one could not figure that out, you know? Because I was, I was real little at the time. Um, I remember we got a GameCube sometime around then. Uh, my friend Tim, I think he had, like, that's the clearest memory I have with the, my GameCube days, is he had a... And he had a GameCube and he would bring it over. And, you know, GameCube was like the only mobile console that like existed. But he had this cute little box. It was just like a square carrying case that carried like the power cord and the the AV cables and the console. But just the fact that you could bring a video game console to somebody else's house blew my mind. You know, yeah. it's like in my brain, it was like nailed to the television. You know, it couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like now I just like. I mean, now I have a Nintendo Switch. I just pick it up and take it wherever I feel like. But at the time, it was just so foreign to have somebody else's video game console in your house. Like, is that allowed? Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> um, Are we going to get arrested for this? <laughs> is this a crime? <laughs> uh, and I remember that same friend Tim was playing Kingdom Hearts at his house once. And this was in my third grade year. And at the end of my third grade uh, school year... I I left the state alone. I was done with my family. I just decided to live independently. No, my family moved to North Carolina. We lived in Pennsylvania. We moved to North Carolina. Um, and when we got there, you know, my mom was like, oh, no, our children are like kind of sad because they left this new life. I'll take I'll take my child to EB Games, which is just GameStop. Um, I don't think I think EB Games and GameStop were one unit at that point. I don't know. Would you remember that? Did you have EB Games around here? I- I don't, I think, I mean, that sounds familiar. Like, I always thought EB Games was like a regional thing. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it's much more, com- was more common in the South because it's North Carolina when I was at the time. So, right. um, but that was either before, right before or during when like EB Games and GameStop were one. 
So I think GameStop bought EB Games, and then eventually that that name got taken away. But I have fond memories of the EB Games in North Carolina, right by the Firehouse Subs, which is another thing that like exists other places, but is pretty regional. It's just like Subway, basically. But if you're a child, they gave you a little plastic fireman's cap. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was incredible. So I got my little fireman's cap, and then we went to EB Games, and I saw Kingdom Hearts on the shelf. And I was like, that's the game that that he was playing. I'm going to get it. And I think I saw him play it for maybe like four minutes, you know? Like it didn't – it's crazy that it stuck with me enough that I was like, I'm going to get that game. Because, you know, when you're a child and you go to the store and you have the ability to buy any game you want, you don't usually pick well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to pick, especially like pre-internet days. You just kind of knew what your friends told you or you didn't know anything. Um, mm-hmm. I was much more in the latter camp where most of what I played was, st- you know, stupid crap. Um, and to kind of piggyback off Kelly's Kelly's episode, I had a blockbuster and we had <laughs> we had a little gold card. So once a week we got to go and trade. We each had a video game, me and my brother. So we just switched which video game we had every week. Um, so there's a lot of different games I played at the time, but like because none of them really stuck with me, at least not the same way that Kingdom Hearts did. Um, I played Kingdom Hearts 1. It was incredibly formative for me. I feel like that was the first time a video game went from being like, this is fun, to like meaning something to me. Um, and Kingdom Hearts 1 like thematically is pretty simple, so it wasn't hard for my little third, fourth grade brain. Sorry for the bump. Third, fourth grade brain to like click with. Um, you know, Sora's a little guy, and I was a little guy. We, we got along in principle. Um, little Guy Alliance. Little Guy Alliance. Yeah, we had a Little Guy Alliance like 20 years ago. Ooh, that's, <laughs> it, was, it was less than 20 years ago. It was like... 2003? 17. Well, I didn't get it in 2003. Oh, okay. Well, that game came out in what? 2002, I think? At least in Japan. I, I, could, I couldn't tell you. I can't remember. I thought it was 03, but you're right. That maybe uh, was the I, North American. Um, I could look up pretty quickly. I'm going to do that. Just so the audience uh, hasn't aware. What- while you're looking that up, I just wanted to say when I, I re- just uh, my Kingdom Hearts anecdote real quick. When I was little, my cousins came over and they we got Kingdom Hearts for Christmas. You and did they played it, yeah, the first one, yeah, and they played it. And the part where you get to tra- uh, Traverse Town and you see the heartless little like heartless guy steal that guy's heart, heart for the first time, I was so scared I could not play that game. Until I was like a teenager. I'm not even kidding. I got so scared. I was like, oh my God, they're going to steal my heart. I'm going to turn into a little guy. And like the heartless were so cute too. It was like, why was I afraid of them? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Not to take away from your moment, but. No, 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 you didn't. Uh, Just to be clear, it came out in 2002, September of 2002. Um, I would have played it around like mm, rough estimate July of 2000. What am I the? I'm in the 20th grade now, and that was the third grade. 20. So seven. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're in the 20th grade. <laughs> That's how I like rationalize how long ago things were. Wow. So 17 years ago, it's 2023 right now. So subtract 17 from 2023. I played it like three to four years after it came out. Um, Got it. Which also meant Kingdom Hearts 2 was already out. So I got taken to EB Games another time and Kingdom Hearts 2 was on the shelf and like you know you didn't I didn't have any video game magazines in North Carolina specifically I didn't really have many video game friends I didn't have many friends but that's a side note uh 
So I didn't know there was a second one. When you're at a store and like your favorite game of all time is Kingdom Hearts and you see Kingdom Hearts 2 on the shelf for like mm-hmm. $20 because it's been out for two years, uh, I freaked out. Like I was like, this is what is happening. <laughs> so I like throw it at my mom. I'm like, buy this. No, that's nice. That's not true. I was a very nice kid. I did not throw things at my mom, I think. Um, I took Kingdom Hearts 2 home. Such a big deal. Um, like I said, I lived in North Carolina for a couple of years, for two years. And, you know, I had a tough time there. Not going to go into that, but I had a pretty tough time. And there's like a few things that like really got me through. And I'd say Kingdom Hearts was definitely one of the biggest things. Um, I also at a later date found Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories like loose in a case. Uh, and I picked that up. That's the Game Boy Advance game. That game was very difficult for my brain to click with as a, as a little one. But I played that a lot. I played Kingdom Hearts 2 to completion. And that series has stuck with me even more so than than uh, Ratchet & Clank. Because I don't have a lot to say about the later Ratchet & Clank games. But I could talk about Kingdom Hearts for, you know, till the cows come home. Till Kelly's dead cows come home. <laughs> uh, but after a couple years in North Carolina, I moved back to Pennsylvania to the same school district, which meant I got to keep the same friends I did before. And all of us around the same time in my sixth grade year got a PlayStation 3, which, you know, that, that's pretty early. I would say we got it, like, when did a PS3 come out? 2005, 2006? Yeah, probably. I'm not going to calculate the math again because I'm not going to figure out what grade I'm in and math do math again. But I got it pretty early on. Um, I remember the first couple games I got for it because we got a PS3 from my, from my grandpa, me and my brother got it, and then there were no games. So we went to Walmart because it was Black Friday because we got our Christmas gifts from them on Thanksgiving. We went to Walmart, and I had never – I've never played a Sonic game at the time, but, you know, I thought he was cool because he is. Sonic is really cool. And I looked at the video game section, and what do you know? For $40, I could get Ratchet & Clank Tools of Destruction, which I now know is a great game. Or for $20 each, I could get Sonic Unleashed and Sonic the Hedgehog 2006. Wow. Really quite the quite the collection there. I think from the way I'm telling the story, you can guess what decision I made. <laughs> and I regretted it. Oh. Sonic Unleashed was like fine, but I didn't love it. Sonic 06, like as a child, I didn't comprehend why it was so bad. But it was just so awful. So my PS3 experience did not start well. <laughs> um, but my brother's first game was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Uh, that game I loved very much. <laughs> we played the campaign. Um, and then my other friends in middle school who had PS3s, they also were playing it. So we were playing online all the time. Obviously, Call of Duty is quite uh, a fascinating beast to look at, and my experience kind of starts and ends with Modern Warfare 2. I also got uh, Black Ops, which came out after Modern Warfare 2, and I had fun with that one, but like nothing clicked as much as Modern Warfare 2, and I jumped. I did not play after Black Ops, so it was not a long-living creature for me, but I have such incredible memories with Modern Warfare 2. You know, you talked about earlier how like you played uh, you made your own games with with people, um, and like I did that growing up. Like Ratchet and Clank Three, the multiplayer mode, I'd like we like played like house in that mm-hmm. game, 
and then like a uh, Kirby air ride with my neighbor. We played house with that. Like the, we'd do the city, the city trial and just turn off the time limit and just drive around and stuff. Um, we did the same thing in call of duty, which is hilarious now. Cause it's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but we'd go to the, like the airport map and just like, you know, cause you could do like custom games where there's no time limit or, or lives or anything. So we just like, like pretend we were running the stores in like this destroyed airport. Yeah. And it was, funny. it was really, it was just a ball. Um, unrelated to PS3, but around the same time, uh, when I was moving back from North Carolina, my mom was like, uh Oh, because we had to live in a pretty small apartment. I mean, it was fine, but you know, for a family of five, it was a little much for, I believe like it might've been like two weeks, but it felt like months for me because our house wasn't ready, but we had to move out of our North Carolina house for my dad to start his Pennsylvania job again. So we lived in a little apartment, like 20 minutes from where we were going to live. And my mom, you know, to just satiate me and keep me quiet was like, oh, let's go to Target and you'll buy a video game. And I remember I had rented Pokemon Diamond from the Blockbuster in North Carolina, but like, that's not a game you can rent because one, I couldn't figure out how to delete the save data. Um, and I was just having a bad time because like I'd restart and then play the first chunk over right. and over, which is and something. They well, they don't tell you how to delete the save data either. No, and I was never able to figure that out. So I just like would play the first chunk and then lose the save. Um, because it would like let you start a new game, but then it wouldn't let you save. Yeah, which is yes. wild. That's crazy. Uh, yes. But that was the start of my like my Pokemon days. There's a lot of crossover between my PS3 days in middle school and my Pokemon days. Like, there were two Christmases in middle school where like all I wanted for Christmas was Pokemon stuff. So I was like, this game, that game, this, and like I got like calendars and like sticker books. And, like, in retrospect, they were all, like, really cheap gifts. But, like, the one year I got all this Pokemon stuff. And I was like, this is the best Christmas ever. And my parents probably only had to spend, like, $100 to get a giant mount of Pokemon stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I, I my Pokemon phase, I, I played Diamond. I played Pat, Platinum. Um, and then I played Gold, Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Uh, I had Gold. And I dropped off with Black and White. Um I did, you know, I've come back and forth on that series. I still play it when it comes out now, but, like, nothing will ever match those early DS days for me. Mm -hmm. On my PS3, one of my other formative games, which is funny, is Final Fantasy VII, the PlayStation 1 game, because it was, you know, it was the early days of Digital Marketplace, which meant I got to download it. So on a friend's recommendation, I downloaded Final Fantasy VII and played it. Uh, I got about halfway through, and we still had a CRT television at the time like this big one in our game room and it's funny because like playing a ps3 on that it looks really bad <laughs> and i got to a point of final fantasy 7 where i couldn't figure out where to go and then about like a week later we got a new tv we got an hd tv finally and i was able to go forward because i just could not see the door in the game because it was so dark on screen and then when we got an hd tv i was like oh there it is and i remember Finishing Final Fantasy VII was, like, the first time I, like, clearly remember getting to the end of a game, which I did plenty of times before. But I remember I just got so excited because it took, like, 50 hours, which now it's like, oh, a 50-hour game, that's you can do that. But, like, at the time, it's like 50 hours spent on a game feels like a decade. Yeah. And I just, next to where I played video games in the upstairs of my parents' house, there was a pool table. And I just, like, ran around it just, like, pumping my fists, like, yes, yes, yes. Because I, I beat the game. 
It's like nothing will ever match that again. I will never finish a game and get that excited ever again. <laughs> um, other games I played on recommendation, I played Bioshock, which I loved at the time. Uh, later, I'd play Bioshock Infinite, which is kind of like that game kind of taught me about like writing, even though like in retrospect, it might be kind of poorly written. Uh, it was just cool because like it had like a weaving narrative and like multiverse stuff before there was multiverse stuff in the popular lexicon. Yeah. yeah. Um, I played Fallout 3 a lot. That was another one that was like fun to talk to friends about because we were all playing Fallout 3 and we all played it when like it was like Fallout New Vegas was out and none of us knew what that was. <laughs> We just knew that you could go to Fallout, you could go to GameStop and get Fallout 3 for $2.50. Wow. So all of us got it because, you know, it was easy to talk your parents into buying you a $3 game. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved, loved that game. Um, I, like, I don't have a strong attachment to the Fallout series or Bethesda in general, but I do have a really strong attachment to Fallout 3 specifically. Because that was like that was late middle school. It was just cool to talk to all your friends about it. That might have been, and that probably led into early high school. Um, but as I got into high school, I got into some other PlayStation Three games. Skyrim. I know Kelly talked a lot about that last episode, but that was a huge game for me. I loved playing through that whole giant open world. Um, I got Uncharted one and two. And this is the same thing as Fallout Three. I got them because they were like a few dollars at GameStop. Which like you don't find like games that are good, you don't go to GameStop and find for two fifty anymore. Mm-hmm. That was common. Like I don't know how well anybody in the audience remembers, but like you could go to GameStop and get PS3 games like from a couple years ago for less than five dollars consistently. Yeah. Um or even like Bioshock two, I remember I had played Bioshock one and Bioshock two had been out for a long time already. But they had a copy of Bioshock 2 Collector's Edition, which is like this giant square box with a vinyl and like an art book and a few other things. Um, And it was on sale for $15 because they just had too many of them. I'm like that. It's crazy how cheap some clearance good games were. And like people argue about Bioshock 2, but I was little like I loved it. I didn't Mm -hmm. see any problems with it. Um. So I got into Uncharted at the time. I played 1 and 2 and loved them. Uncharted 3 was one of, like, the earliest memories I have with pre-ordering a video game. And, like, I remember I talked my mom into, like, letting me pre-order it. So you'd have to drive to the GameStop, which was, like, a, almost 20 minutes from our house. Um, and I pre-ordered it. You you have to only pay 5 bucks, But, like, I remember I had an allowance that I was saving up for it because I got the collector's edition, which was $100, and came with, like, this big Nathan Drake statue. But she just sent me into the GameStop and parked outside because it was rated T, so she didn't need to come in. And I come out carrying this big old box that's, like, <laughs> the size of my, like, whole torso. And I get in the car, and she's like, what is that? And I was like, it's it's Uncharted. She's like, why? what did you do? What, what Did you pay for that? And I was like, yeah. I it's I paid a hundred dollars. She's like, why is it so expensive? I'm like, there's a there's a statue inside. <laughs> and like in retrospect, it's like, yeah, that's pretty stupid, but oh well. It was a blast. And I love that series still. Um Nothing's like your first video game statue or figure. Yeah. And I remember I, I oh, which did Infamous Two or Uncharted Three come out first? I think Infamous Two came out first. Uncharted 3 came out. Um, why is this so difficult to find? Uncharted 3 release date, November 11th, 2011. And then Infamous 2, 
came out June 7th, 2011. They were very close to each other. Yeah. Uh, but Infamous 2 did come out first. I also got the collector's edition for that game, which also came with the statue. That one was funnier because I don't know if you remember this, but the PlayStation Network went down <laughs> for like three weeks. Yes. And like that was a big deal at the time because like I couldn't play Call of Duty. <laughs> right. Um, and then when it came back after a few weeks, they gave apology games, basically. And like looking back, it wasn't a very good gift because like those games were already pretty cheap at stores. Mm-hmm. Um, but because me and my brother both had accounts, we got almost all of the free games. Um, so I got Little Big Planet. I got Infamous. Uh, what were the other games? Uh, either way, I got those games. Um, and Infamous, I adored. So then it ended up leading to me buying Infamous 2 just a couple months later. And I'm like, that wasn't real. They It was a sales strategy. Let's yeah. give away this game that nobody's buying anyway so that we could sell more copies of the sequel. And it worked. And it was great. I love that series. <laughs> um, but my PS3 days ended with, as most people's did, The Last of Us. Uh, I got that like a, a few months after it came out. I got it for Christmas. Adored that game. That was another really formative game for me because it's like that game had such an incredible narrative that, you know, you just couldn't have experienced at the time because it's like, it was just important to video games and video games narratives and stuff and turning prestige television into video games, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point late in my high school days, I also bought a PlayStation Vita. Don't worry, I did not pay full price. I actually bought it from a friend who did not want his anymore. Um, I have very little experience with the PlayStation Vita. That game, that that system usually gives me a headache. I don't know why. <laughs> But something about it, it just bothers me, bothers my eyes a lot. Um, so I played the Uncharted game on it. Can't tell you anything about it. But the thing I can tell you about is Persona 4 Golden. I was having a very difficult time at in high school at this point. I was just, you know, I was a, a little depressy, if you will. Um, and Persona 4 Golden just kind of meant a lot to me at the time I played it. I was getting close to the point where I'd be done with high school. I played it... Uh, I want to say I played it like junior year, getting near the end of junior year. Um, Maybe start a fresh or senior year, but it just meant so much to me. I played it every night. I lost so many hours of sleep because it's on Vita. So like if I was in the game room too late, my mom would be like, what are you doing? Go to bed. Mm-hmm. But like if I was already in my room, I was in high school. My mom didn't check on me. So I would be sitting there playing Persona 4 Gold until like, midnight one in the morning which like doesn't sound that late but when you have to wake up for high school at six in the morning bad decision making but somehow (laughs) somehow I got through um and that game just really uh, I would say that game meant more to me than most video game that might have been the most meaningful video game to me at the time I was just so incredibly attached to the characters and stuff and like Persona 5 is a better game but Persona 4 will always be the most important game to me um and it's like, if I'm going to go buy merchandise for something, I'm going to buy it for five because I think Persona 5 is a better game and it's cooler and all this stuff. But just the specific attachment I have to that game, it's one of the most important video games of my entire life. Um, I feel like I should also give an honorable mention. Late high school also meant Wii U, which, whew, uh, <laughs> rough console, but... I played Mario 3D World on that thing. I played Mario Kart 8, which funny story. So we had the school picnic, 
you know, which is where everybody went to Kennywood, which is the local theme park in Pittsburgh. Um, so everyone in the school would go there every summer, like two weeks after school ended or a week after school ended or whatever. Uh, you know, we went every year. But then me, my friend, Tim and Aaron, we decided because Mario Kart 8 was coming out the same day as the school picnic. You know what? We've had enough of those. So our last school picnic, we did not attend because we were playing Mario Kart 8 all day instead. <laughs> and I don't regret it at all. That game is perfect. Um, as we le- got late into the uh, the Wii U high school era, I really wanted to play Super Smash Brothers on Wii U. I was super excited for it, but I wanted to be playing something in the meantime. So I decided Bayonetta 2 came out. I didn't know a lot, but I was like a Nintendo loyalist. So I decided, okay, I'll run over to Best Buy and I'll pick it up because I had a gift card to Best Buy because it came with Bayonetta 1 on disc. So I was like, okay, I'll play this game. I, I, in retrospect, I don't know exactly why I decided to do this, but I'm glad I did. Um, I remember I got it. I remember getting it very clearly because I went and asked for it because it wasn't on the shelf and it took like 15 minutes for them to find a copy and I knew they had a copy because, like, I did the store. You could, like, look at the website and they'd tell you how many copies they had at the time at Best Buy. And the Best Buy was, like, 20 minutes from my house. And then on the way back, there was, like, a horrible accident. And it took me, like, an hour and a half to get back to my house. So oh. getting Bayonetta 2 was a journey. Uh, one I'm glad I made because Bayonetta 2 stands up as one of my favorite video games of all time for sure. That game just perfect video game as far as like mechanics go it's just so good to play and i love that game deeply um as i said smash 4 as we call it super smash brothers for wii u and 3ds was like the most hyped game of my life at the time me and my friends would hang out every single week and we play smash bros we would either play melee or something called project m which is a mod for super smash brothers brawl um that made it just play faster it's more fun to play um so all of us were so excited to play the new one. We were following it very closely, and then we finally got to play it. That game is so formative to the end of my high school days and the start of my college days that I will always cherish it, even if it is a notably worse game than the newest one. That's okay, though. Um, and then the summer going into college, my last summer I played Xenoblade Chronicles, which was a super difficult-to-get game at the time because GameStop had exclusive distribution rights for some reason. Uh, so I had to find a copy, and it was super difficult, but I finally found one near my house. GameStop was charging like $65 for a used copy, which, you know, sounds normal now, but at the time, it's like, what? Like, Wii games, right. were most of them are retailing for 50 flat. So, but I got it. I played that game before I went to college and absolutely adored it. That's the same summer I played the whole Mass Effect series, which... Um, I have less to say about than Kelly, but I also <laughs> loved that game a lot. So my last summer was big on like finishing big series because I played Mass Effect and started Xenoblade. Uh, but Smash 4 carried me into college. So I started college August of 2015, September of 2015. Um, we'll talk more about me and Kelly's interactions at that point next episode. But as far as video games I was playing, Smash 4 was like a real connecting tissue for some of the friends I made in college um the dorm where I lived and Kelly uh meandered Olsen (laughs) Olsen Hall had uh, a lounge which was always full of people 
And a lot of the time, a uh, good friend of the show, Shay, had his Wii U plugged into that television in there. Smash 4 going. The number of... I want to calculate... I mean, I'm not able, but like, can you imagine if you could calculate how many hours Smash 4 was on that TV that year? No, I mean, it was literally every time I walked in the building, yeah. it was being played. It's amazing. And like that game is like a lot worse than Smash Ultimate, but I don't care. The connection that we all had with that game and with each other through that game, it was crazy. It was so cool. Um, and I never won, but that was okay. Um, early in college, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 came out. And I didn't care about the Metal Gear Solid series at the time, but my friend Colin was playing it and I was like, oh, this looks cool. So I picked it up when I went home for like a, a weekend. I played that game so much and I didn't realize until like a year or two ago how nostalgic I was for it when I heard like UI sounds and realized like, oh, Metal Gear Solid 5 is incredible. It had a lot of problems to say the least, but I just loved that game and it meant a lot to my early college days. It was just so fun to talk about it with people. Um, you know, I feel like it kind of led into that expressive game stuff that we got with Breath of the Wild later and then, like, eventually Elden Ring and now Tears of the Kingdom, where it's, like, just fun to talk about what you did. Like, oh, I, I stuck a Fulton to to a sheep and took it to my house. And you'd be like, you're allowed to do that? That's crazy. <laughs> um, it was just cool to experience those things. Uh, I have fond memories of Fallout 4. Uh, I'll save it for next episode, but... Not because of the game, but because of the experience of acquiring the game. <laughs> I played Xenoblade Chronicles X, and it's funny because like I played that with a few different people at the time, and that was another one of those games that's just like super incredibly cool, vast game. Um, kind of feels like a precursor to Breath of the Wild to me, which makes sense because Monolith would go on to work on that the map of Breath of the Wild. Um, Fire Emblem Fates, another one that like. I loved Fire Emblem because I played Awakening at some point in high school. Can't pinpoint exactly when, but I was all excited for Fates because everybody around me was excited for Fates. Um, I feel like, you know, the whole uh, radio show that we had, everybody was kind of excited for that game. A bunch of people in Olsen were excited for that game. And, like, again, Kelly talked about this last episode. Didn't turn out perfectly, but, like, there was a lot of hype behind that game in the place where we lived. And that's just something you can't quite capture, like living right next to people who were all excited for the same thing. Um, and then, uh, the, the last game that comes to mind very clearly before the switch was out that meant a lot to me was final fantasy, uh, 15. That game came out in November of 2016 after a very long wait. Um, I loved the game, but what I remember even more clearly was watching, uh, remind me if you were there, Kelly, for all of it or some of it, at least the uncovered event, which was a three hour conference, live <sighs> conference about just Final Fantasy 15. Um, I, I don't remember that. I know friend of the show Cameron was there uh, <laughs> because at, they were just talking about the game and like, oh, it has going to have this mechanic and like, oh, the car. And they just talked about things for like way too long. But the game was so hyped that it was kind of like fun to watch anyway. And they revealed like Kingsglaive, that tie in movie. And they had like Aaron Paul and Lady Heedy come out on stage and like talk about it. And then they revealed that Florence and the Machine was doing the theme song and we were all just like what? And it's just three hours of like what is happening stuff um, and I just had so much fun. It was so much fun to watch like Nintendo Directs and stuff in that Olsen Lounge and that was that same energy. 
Uh, but 2017, March 3rd, the Switch hit. And to say that it meant a lot is an understatement. Um, at this point, the radio show was already done. But Breath of the Wild really, I feel like, showed me kind of what video game design can be. I think Breath of the Wild is why, partially why the show exists. It's why I have an understanding of like video games and what they are, what they can be beyond just like fun, interactable things. Um, and then right after Breath of the Wild came out in April of 2017, Persona 5 came out in America. And that game showed me what narratives could be in like a different way because like last of us showed me how like incredibly emotional they could be but persona 5 showed me how deep they could be and how connected i could feel and i kind of knew going in because i played persona 4 and i talked earlier about how much it meant to me but it showed me again just what what those those sorts of games could do and how much uh ambition was behind it um that whole year mario odyssey came out on switch that game was so incredible to play Fire Emblem Warriors, which is not a perfect game. I have very fond memories of, though, because I brought I brought my Switch to the Olsen Lounge the day that came out, and I handed a pair of Joy-Cons to Shay, my friend, and we played all of Fire Emblem Warriors in two days because you can play that whole game co-op. Um, interesting way to play it. It was uh, maybe a little unhealthy how much we played, <laughs> but oh well. Um, Celeste came out on switch well it came out on a lot of things but on switch is where i played it and that game was like just such a perfect incredible game that i loved playing so much i'd played at work all the time not instead of working i just had a job in college where i got to sit around and make sure things didn't break um and then another game that i played but i more so want to talk about the lead up is kingdom hearts 3 because like i mean kelly you can attest even if you weren't like a diehard kingdom hearts fan the amount of kingdom hearts conversation that happened <laughs> from like the time because they announced it before we started college they announced it in uh like i want to say 2014 and then almost all of college until january of 2019 there were just little things coming out here and there and then it finally mm -hmm. came out in 2019 but like the amount of conversation had about that game leading up to it is just insane I, there will never be a game that has that much conversation behind it for me ever again. Mostly because time is just moving much quicker now. But the amount of excitement and like tensity and also the fact that like Kingdom Hearts 3 was announced right before I got to college and then was, you know, being teased the entirety of college. So I just have such a clear connection between like excitement for that game and the, the greatness of college experience. So it's almost like it was like a capstone because right at the end of my college, uh, my college time, I got Kingdom Hearts 3 finally. And it was just so funny after all that, that we finally got the game. Um, yeah, that, that, that whole development process was so long. It was like. Yeah. Which like, yeah. again, Dragon Age has really, in comparison, it's nothing. But like at the time, it felt crazy. Also because Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in like 2006. So that gap is pretty substantial, even if there were spinoffs or uh, side games in the meantime. Um, and I kind of fell out of games around that time, around like late 2018 into 2019. I wasn't playing a lot, but uh, I remember specifically three games kind of pulling me back, maybe slowly, but they did. Uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake, was so wildly good. Dead Cells I got into, which is a roguelite uh, side-scrolling game. That game clicked for me really hard, and then the game that really pushed me back into video games when I was in sort of a lull was Fire Emblem Three Houses. I played it a few months after it came out, but 
oh my gosh, that game was so incredible and came at just the right time for me right after college. Um, just general games that I've loved since, you know, finishing college. Like I just said, I played the entire Yakuza series during COVID. That was fun. Uh, I highly recommend that series, although maybe don't play the entire thing because it was a little bit brain rotting in a good way. Um, <laughs> the Final Fantasy VII Remake, that was another one because that got announced December of 2015. Um, I think we were, I don't know who was there, but I remember watching the PlayStation event in the Olsen Lounge in December of 2015 and they announced Final Fantasy VII Remake and it was just like earth-shakingly incredible. Um Oh, I lied. That's when they showed off the first gameplay trailer. They announced it at E3 2015. Um, so that's another game that waited so many years for. Got restarted in development and stuff. Finally got to play it in 2020. Loved it deeply. Elden Ring was pretty recent. That came out early last year. Loved that game. And that was another one that kind of like reinvigorated my love for video games and for design. Um, because between Breath of the Wild and that, there was kind of this... There wasn't any games that hit that same way. Uh... Bayonetta 3 came out last year and you, you know if you listen to the show you know my feelings I loved that game a lot but it was mostly just this this crazy lead up because that was another one I played it in 2014 loved it announced in 20 uh that was announced in 2017 and then it just kind of faded away as there's a trend I love games that I like that get announced and then there's a big gap and then they come out and they're good <laughs> that's big for me that me almost means more to me than quick turnarounds because it, it they stick in my brain clearer. Uh, last year I played Vampire Survivors and oh my gosh, that game was so incredible and st that's the, my that's my new favorite mindless game where it's just pure sensory overload. And then you know right now my my biggest game that's sticking with me as far as like incredible earth shattering games is Tears of the Kingdom. We've talked about it a lot on episodes before now, so I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, video games just mean a lot to me. And I, I, my love for them has there's been ebbs and flows. Last year, I would say, was the absolute peak. I played 51 games last year to completion. Um, don't count on that happening again this year. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just they're just so special to me. And they've been there in so many phases of my life. And like I told Kelly, I think between episodes that like, she was talking about how she was, oh, I was at my grandpa's house playing this game and like the NFL theme played and like they had this. And like, I'm like, I have that same experience. And I remember sitting like uh, with my step grandma, I was sitting there playing Crosswords DS for hours and hours and hours one day. Like, that's not a video game, a video game, but it's a special connection between like me, her and my Nintendo DS. And there's just infinite stories i could tell about like different pokemon things or final fantasy things i could talk all about like how in high school we had debates every 30 minutes about whether final fantasy 13 was good or not and it's like what we didn't know what we were talking about at all we were just parroting things we had heard but like it was just fun to talk about and i have such fond memories of that time and video games have just meant so much to me and you know now we have uh this show which, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to hold back on the emotions. I'll save that for the next episode. So be prepared <laughs> for that. But I just, you know what? I love video games. That's all I'm going to say. That's my last, my last cherry on top of this. I love video games so much and I'm so happy to have them. And now, you know, especially now I don't feel any shame because like, they're not just a hobby. They're a passion. There's something I'm excited about, excited to hear about and excited to experience. Yes. 
What a beautiful end to this episode. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Andrew. You're welcome. I'm real excited for the next one because this has been fun to talk about our favorite games, but now we just get to next week, if you're listening right now, next week we get to absolutely just go nuts and name drop a billion people and talk about video games. Maybe not that much. (laughs) (laughs) Yippee! Woohoo. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.